0: So I recently went to IBTM and I'm gonna tell you, I feel like they've just replaced, or everybody's just replaced the word new technology or future tech with AI. It's like whenever we talk about future of tech, they're like, oh, so you mean AI? It's ridiculous, it's taken over. Still in rooms, they take that put your hand up survey of, come on, who's used ChatGPT in the last week? And only about a third go up. And we're still probably at the precipice of using generative AI tools properly. So I think next year, more hands will go up as a start.
1: Great events create great brands, and it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing.
2: Hello, everyone. What is going on in the wide, wide world of events? My name is Rachel and welcome to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by c I cannot believe it, ladies, but this is our last episode of the season of 2023. And I'm here with my co-hosts, Alyssa and Paulina. Hey, everyone. Hey, friends. Awesome. Well, we also have a very special announcement. We are also joined by Felicia Sedu, our Director of European Marketing who we have a very special announcement. She will be joining as a co-host for our fourth podcast season next season. Felicia has been on many podcasts throughout our season. We're excited to officially have her as our fourth host. Welcome, Felicia.
0: Yay. Woo! Thank you. Woo-hoo. So happy to be here. Although I'm concerned I'm not I'm gonna lose my special status because every time I come, I'm like a special guest. And I'm just gonna be like, Felicia. <laughs> No, you're now
2: a regular host. You're you're badass. Let's was do it. I was saying, now you have hosting responsibilities. No longer guests. <laughs> we'll tell you what I'm that old. means later. You have to clean the house before. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
0: And make some food. <laughs>
2: oh, my goodness. All right. Well, today, what are we talking about? It wouldn't be a season closer without a look forward. And we also have a a look back, but we'll talk about that later. So the countdown to 2024 has officially begun. For us event profs, the countdown begun months ago. But in terms of trends and things like that, the future is looking bright. You know, we're going to be talking about some of that. We're covering staffing levels, hopefully, (laughs) a focus on diversity, accessibility, sustainability. But it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Inflation is still hitting us, hitting the meetings and events team, hitting budgets, So we don't want to overlook that at all, but we also are going to talk about the biggest trend of them all, AI, and how it's impacting our roles uh, as event profs and marketers. So with that, with a forward look, since it's gifting season and holiday season, we're going to take you through 12 key trends to look forward to in 2024 and what this means for event profs and marketers. So we're going to go through this hopefully quickly, but we have a lot of great stuff for you. And because you're... Our
0: new host, Felicia, let's kick it off with you to kick off the 12 trends. Oh, I thank you very much, Rachel. So in-person events, I don't need to tell you this, but in-person events has absolutely dominated this year and will continue to do so next year. I think people's calendars are about to just explode, quite frankly, because there's so many events people to attend. But what is very interesting is that virtual experiences, whether that's, you know, actually just including virtual elements, using virtual as an extension of in-person, basically your hybrid event remains a very meaningful part of the event program. We said earlier this year about a third of the reg that came through this event platform actually was for virtual events. So that's still a trend that's gonna carry on. It's not dead, but organizers absolutely need technology to support all the event formats, whether it's in-person, virtual or hybrid. I'd say key drivers behind this trend is a desire for maximum reach, but also sustainability and accessibility, which I know they are some of the benchmarks and the foundations of all the events we run. So that's why people are still keeping parts of those virtual um, events going because they need to reach all the people across the world, regardless of where their event is. So with that, I'm passing to Paulina for trend number two.
3: Thanks, Felicia. The second trend is venues are really supporting experience first events. And what that means is our venue partners, our hotel partners, our destination partners are really understanding that hybrid event experience. I think the last few years, we've all been able to test it out, perfect it. And so for the future years, we're seeing event venues really take hold of understanding what that hybrid experience looks like. You know, On the other side of this, we're also starting to see the trend skew towards maybe smaller or more simple events, which brings into the fold unique event venues. We've hosted plenty of wonderful, smaller VIP customer appreciation events at unique event venues, and they are really taking off. I think a lot more goodness to come with that, you know, and a lot of this is also tied to, you know, year over year trends like pleasure, right? So after you've attended a conference, is there a micro event that takes place after the event or even before the event that a special event venue can be hosting to complement that overall larger event experience, you know, and our attendees are becoming more sophisticated. They don't want to just go to an event for one purpose only they really want a a multitude of reasons to attend the event whether it's networking whether it's experiential whether it's training and so having your venue partners understand this experience first trend will only really help you know your sourcing for 2024
0: and your event experience for your customers to the next trend Felicia back to you (laughs) absolutely you mentioned sourcing there and you know lots of smaller meetings and needing to find those venues And our third trend is that the technology is uniting planners and venues. This reminds me of, I think it was a a session we had at Cvent Connect Europe some years back, where it was what drives planners and venues crazy about each other. And they got to be really honest. It was a very therapeutic session. (laughs) And they were like, you know, when you make those last minute changes, it's not the best. And that was at a time where we didn't have sort of like thin, stretched out teams as we have at the moment. And hotel teams are still trying to recover from that, you know, pandemic time and, you know, their teams are still smaller. So as the demand grows and their teams had been reduced, there is still that kind of tension that has arisen between the planners and venues, not because they're not working well together, but they're both just trying to do a lot with not so many resources. So they're looking to technology to help connect them, help streamline the event operations, including things like diagramming tools and, you know, space design and layouts and room block management technology surprise we do all of those things so hey maybe you should just work with C-vent. <laughs> but even beyond that a little bit of ai is coming up in terms of you know how can we send and respond to rfps quicker i know we're not at the ai section yet but definitely looking at technology to help to streamline all of this and we know like i said the key driver behind this trend is strained staff so even when they do have staff there's a lot of requirements going their way you've got event planners you know all like us asking staff what's green about your venue? What about the food supply? You know, where's it coming from? What can I do to reduce my heat waste? And suddenly the venue's thinking about stuff they've never had to think about before. So there is that need for operational efficiency, you know, green and greater collaboration, and even asking for things around engagement and trying to figure out, can my venue help me to engage my audience better than the next? So a lot of that's coming the venue space
1: yeah i was gonna say perfect segue to the trend i was going to cover which is the reimagining of kind of the engagement side of the house i know paulina just kind of alluded to this in the up leveling of the attendee experience as well but we're noticing that attendees are really looking to get more from their event experiences they want a little bit more of that participatory content stuff Less like a speaker talking at you, more of a two-way dialogue with individuals in the room. We've seen a lot of emphasis on roundtables kind of coming back to the forefront. Discussion-based content, more interactivity just from attendee to attendee, and less just emphasis on your subject matter experts that happen to be in the room. And a lot of what's driving this is just not just the rising attendee expectations, but scrutiny on budgets and investment in events. They only have so many dollars to go to these types of continuing education opportunities or L and D type opportunities. And so, and I know we're gonna talk about this in just a few moments here on just ROI being a general theme within meetings and events, but your attendees are also in a similar macroeconomic climate, if you will, they only have so many dollars to invest. And so you've really got to up-level the experience and also the engagement within those experiences for them to justify the investment in coming
2: to your event. Rach, take the next one. Yeah. Trend number five is the kind of event shift to marketing. This is definitely not new, but it's ever-evolving. Paulina and I have talked about this many times on the podcast and on a lot of webinars actually, but The growing shift in the organizational trends of an event team. You know, we can no longer turn a blind eye and only plan events just to plan them and move on to the next one. We really have to think with a marketer lens as well. But I I honestly do think within the last, I want to say five years, event planners are no longer just event planners. They're project managers, they're event marketers, they're business operators. And so, people need, you know, especially planners that might not have felt that shift at their organization. We have to keep fighting for that because meetings do drive a lot of business. And so I guess impact is the name of the game and focusing on how events contribute to the overall marketing mix, I think is the biggest, you know, ongoing trend in the industry. I feel like it should be on every trend list every year until we really do continue to display that impact. You know, we're seeing things like that with, ABM type event marketing mix. We are seeing that as we start to look more at ROI, which we will talk about because that is a trend coming up. But how do the events actually impact the bottom line of a company? And I think, you know, the pandemic definitely helped us, but it turned some CMOs' heads to say, oh, wow, this actually does generate a lot of business for our company. And it is a huge, huge part of the marketing mix overall. So, insert yourself in those marketing meetings. If you're in an events team, insert yourself, be part of that discussion and be part of the marketing team at large. Even if maybe your team is not centered into marketing's department, open up that dialogue because that is a huge part of what marketing kind of helps with. And this shift in prioritization definitely helps.
1: I'll take our next trend here. I find this is like a really interesting one here. I know we noted in our run of show that technology is becoming a core competency. I would dare say technology is a core competency now for meeting and events teams. We have seen a major driving factor behind this being just the sheer loss of resourcing in the meetings and events space. We know that a lot of organizations are understaffed. And recovering those teams has been really hard over the past, I'd say, two or three years. Just really hard to keep up with staffing, in part due to what Rachel was alluding to at the beginning of our conversation. Budgets are tight, right? So rehiring. There's also more scrutiny on skill set. Just full transparency there. I think there is a need for those technical proficiencies, because like I just said, technology is now a core competency of your team and it's expected that you will be leveraging technology to execute the tasks required by a meetings and events organization. A couple of other things that we've noted in this space, there are more users coming on board within technologies like Cvent. Those users are also now becoming a little bit more differentiated in their skill set. So your event builder team might look different than your attendee management team might look different than those that are administering your accounts you might have people that are more integrations proficient so they're looking about the data coming out or going into a platform like Cven. and so we're just seeing this kind of robustness and this enrichment of kind of all of those user roles if you will within technologies supported by the meetings and events team so certainly If technology isn't a core competency of your team, it's something that you're starting to
2: lag behind in in a climate like 2024. I think that's why, you know, we formed our own event tech group within our events team because it was such an important piece of it. When we did that, it really helped up level our events programs. Having everything in ones, yeah. Obviously, we work at Cvent and we have the luxury of using those products. But more than that, it expanded to the martech that we were using beyond Cvent too, and understanding everything that goes into the marketing mix, like I talked about. But what programs use what, and which ones should actually be
0: included in our total event program? I was going to say I actually did a talk recently on the rise of the event technologist. And someone came up to me at the end and said, I use technology across all my event programs and I'm the technologist and I'm so grateful you recognised me. And I was like, it's really sweet that, you know, people are you know putting all their stuff in one place and they're happy that we're recognizing them. that's a role. It exists.
1: Yeah, and not only that, I think, uh, you know, I didn't even talk about this, but we're also starting to see more IT buyers come into the fold with meetings and events usage. Like they're starting to kind of analyze purchasing for event tech, which didn't used to be the norm, I would say three to four years ago. We're also starting to see more marketing operations professionals, which is alluding more to what Rachel was talking about, where meetings and events is starting to converge a little bit more with marketing, that marketing operations professional in years past had not been present in the implementation of the technologies like Cvent. So it's really interesting dynamics that are going on in, in this technology space
2: specifically. I think this is a good segue for our next theme, Paulina.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, you all beat me to the punch on what the next theme is, which is really around centralizing for scale. And I think to all of your points, you know, a lot of meetings and events teams are looking to scale their operations, the organization of their team in ways that support this sort of overwhelming and far more complex event landscape and strategy. But additionally, kind of like what Rachel was saying, you know, we're also taking into consideration centralized marketing tech stack, right? And how Cvent is integrating with all of our other tech solutions that really drive the overall marketing machine. I think just myself alone, you know, and I think organizations, corporations go through this pretty regularly where you try a certain software out and then you try another version of the similar tool, right? And we're kind of all finding the right mix, we have just undergone, you know, a pretty big transformative move to utilizing Reich as, as a project management tool. And, and I think it's those kinds of conversations around these centralized solutions and how they impact all marketing departments and teams is really interesting and, and thinking about how it has a kind of trickle down impact to other processes that play into our event strategies.
2: Yeah, just to chime on that on the staffing side of things when we were centralizing a few years ago we we kind of established these pillars on our team that you know we're not all event planners on our team we have event strategists we have event marketers we have operational folks we have research and analytics and so we have a lot of support there and what we've kind of been able to do with our total event program and we've spent a lot of time with the leaders on the team and Some of our other colleagues developing a total event program that helps centralize like what the tier of event is, what the tactic is, and then what teams are actually pulled into that. And I think that's another expansion of the centralizing for scale element that Paulina was talking about, both with the technology, but also with the way that the team is organized. We almost have like different sprint teams, if you want to call it that. If you're not at a tech company, it's just groups of people working together on specific event tactics or on specific, you know, event groupings, you know, so if Paulina's team, which primarily focuses on marquee programs that we do, is doing a tier one event, she's pretty much utilizing every department at the company, plus all the different pillars on, on our teams. But if you're doing something like a tier three program, which is, you know, basically just a lunch, you're utilizing just a
0: specific group of people that are helping streamline that. Yeah, I know I spoke to an organization, a large bank will say, they said they have exactly that same process. I was surprised. I was like, oh, I thought we were, you know, beating people to the punch. And they said, no, from a control perspective, they like to see it, but they don't want to have to execute on every single thing. So if there's a lunch, they just set up templates where people from the organization can put in the meeting request form, just like they would here. And then they can request it, but the meetings and events team can also be like, congratulations, you win, go and run it. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. A nice way of like, if you are short on staff or you're just like, we're just not gonna run all these things. You can still see everything, still control, but you don't have to execute on everything. So I thought it was really cool.
2: I think that the staffing thing is just still such a, a volatile thing as well. Like some people in the industry don't know if they're getting staff back. There's a move to you know, outsourcing a little bit more. I've talked to a few industry peers you know, to maybe control cost of headcount, they're reaching out to some partners to help work on that. But that also fits into the mix of centralizing for scale. So maybe you outsource just all your sourcing, or you outsource all of your rooming, depending on what you need, or you outsource your technology support. There's going to be a lot more of that. That's not a new trend. That's just what we're kind of feeling right now. But I feel like the revenge events that have come back and are here to stay, we're we're far surpassed what we were doing in 2019, and now we're, you know, on the precipice of doing even more in 2024, which is with less people, right? So, how do we figure out that mix? And which is my segue to trend number eight, which is cost control places a premium on ROI. So I'll let the the team chime in too here. But one of the huge focuses for myself and Paulina right now is prioritization and we need to do that with data and with our you know our international teams as well we have a lot of folks looking at hey actually i know that this is a big sexy event that we go to every year but mm, it's actually not performing well based off of what we spend and the money or or even it's not all about you know the the money you generate yes that's important but it doesn't also generate enough leads or enough relationships or you didn't get your brand out there enough And looking at that ROI is really going to help prioritize what we're doing. And so from an event prop standpoint, now we just need all the executives to look at the ROI and say, you know what, you're right, this is actually not worth it, even though it's a fun event to go to. Or, hey, we really enjoyed hosting this event, but maybe other folks didn't necessarily see value in it. Being able to prioritize that. I
1: think there's like conversation on like 360 degree ROI, right? When we say ROI, we really mean the cost and the benefit side of the house. And years past, yeah. we might have only been saying, oh, it doesn't cost that much to attend. So we should go. Or we get a lot of value at it. So we should go. But we were only taking into cost. Now there is true language of C-suite coming into the fold to justify the investments in these event programs from small to large, right? Whether it's a very small trade show that you're participating in up to your massive conferences that you potentially are hosting, that same level of rigor is being applied to every single event that you're participating in. And it's in part, I would dare say almost solely in part due to the economic you know, environment that we're in right now, where are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Are we going to be in a recession? There's just a lot of hesitancy to invest in things if the return just isn't there
0: yeah and I'd say as a field marketer I would say I ran the risk and event planners don't hate me but I ran the risk of being like oh it's a really easy event it shouldn't take time but when your team show me the sheer volume of events we're running and they're like you think it doesn't take time but every single one of these events we're running takes time takes effort so even though we might come at it from the angle, oh, it doesn't cost much, it's a small event. They're like, but actually time, I need return on my time investment <laughs> as well. So is it really worth me spending my time doing this for you if we're not getting that much out of it? Probably not. So we're having to really think about you know, cutting. We don't wanna cut events, but just changing, like what are we doing? Because we have to consider the time of our planners as well. It's not just all about execution.
1: And what are we doing and why, right?
3: Why are we doing it? I was just going to say, you know, this is an opportunity to take a look at what your survey program looks like. What is the feedback that you're Mm -hmm. collecting event over event? I think for us, we standardized our feedback collection, and that has significantly Mm -hmm. given us a a far more even spectrum of evaluating events against events, right? And that allows you to have a more, I guess, articulate conversation with value and perceived value and, and taking all of that into context when you're waiting What makes the the roadmap versus what
1: doesn't? That's such a good, I know we did not call this out on here, Paulina, but data standardization alongside of the ROI conversation and that is perfectly aligned to what you're talking about here. Sorry, didn't want to cut you off there, but really important piece to the ROI conversation is making sure that you have good data and you have quality data and you have standard data to be able to react to and make those informed decisions.
2: One of the things I'm I'm really excited about is we built a ROI dashboard this past year and it's still going through iterations of change. It it will probably be changing for years to come, just with all the amount of data that we have to put in there. But one of the things I and you mentioned this, Felicia, but the indirect cost. Yeah, sure, we have what the venue costs, but the indirect cost is actually is actually huge, right? So it's not just the planner's time, it's the you know, marketing operations, it's the salespeople's time going to the event, promoting it, getting their customers or attendees to attend. But like you need to be able to quantify that across the organization. That's really hard. You know, it's easier to quantify how much does it cost to send somebody to an event versus the hours spent on it through countless different divisions that are going into it. And I feel like that's phase three or four, right? Where right now we just want to look at, you know, total expense to, uh, you know, attributed, marketing and then we can build off of that later but i think the indirect cost is actually a pretty big cost to the organization especially with if you know that let's say tier three event x is only making or you're only seeing 10 people attend each one and the planner's time is you know 3x that it's like well maybe we don't do these anymore (laughs) so you gotta make some hard decisions especially with budget cuts and especially with lack of staff right now
0: We need to take a hard, critical
2: lens at those
0: things. Yeah, and I love that. Like, I love the fact that Alyssa got really excited over data and standardization for (laughs) a start. Nerd alert! (laughs) (laughs) But the, the combination of you know the data, like you know Pauline was saying, standardizing those surveys, but also communication. If we hadn't had the opportunity that yes, you've got the dashboard, but the good communication that happens between the teams of you know, we've got Penny locally on our team and she's like, let me just show you what this looks like. And then I'm able to make a better decision and go, okay, that doesn't make any sense. You know, as much as the why might even make sense in my head, by the time I have that level of communication with, with Penny locally, you know, she's able to show me this, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm happy to follow. I'm not the one running it at the end of the day. I have to take some guidance. So I think that again, it highlights the importance of the planner. You have to like, listen to your team. They're telling you something, you just listen to them. It makes sense.
2: Yep, the strategic role of the planner. Well, why don't we go in a completely different direction? For the ninth trend, I'll let you and Felicia kick that off.
0: AI, AI, AI. (laughs) Like, honestly.
2: (laughs) Should we ask AI what to say about this trend?
0: (laughs) Yeah, AI wrote this trend for us. Well, I said this. So I recently went to IBTM. And I'm going to tell you, I feel like they've just replaced, or everybody's just replaced the word new technology or future tech with AI. It's like whenever we talk about future of tech, they're like, oh, so you mean AI? (laughs) It's that, what's the word? There's a word like proliferant or (laughs) it's ridiculous. It's taken over. And, you know, there's generative tools like ChatGPT. Yes. Uh, In fact, I was about to poo-poo it and say, yes, everyone's using it. Not the case. Still in rooms. They take that, put your hand up survey of, come on, who's used ChatGPT in the last week? And only about a third go up and we're still probably at the precipice of using generative AI tools properly. So I think next year, more hands will go up as a start.
1: Yeah, I would also say I, I, I work with really large enterprise level global organizations and it's very polarizing. There are some organizations that are all about it and they have invested in it and it's widely used throughout the organization. There are others from a security control, privacy, you know, all all of the scary words, that they're very hesitant to implement a tool like AI. And so their individuals, employees, meetings and events, planners included in that are not even allowed to touch these things. So it's like very black and white. You either are all in or you're all out. I would also say after a conversation just in London last month, the appetite to use the generative AI, like ChatGPT to just write emails and things like that, that's kind of like the common, you know, the visuals, the written words, scripting, email copy, website copy is great. The real opportunity that that many individuals see is on data, data management, mm-hmm. data aggregate, data insights. Help me understand year over year trends for my conference. How can I do things better by prompting A tool Uh, i don't know what that will look like but being able to prompt a tool to give you the data insights that you're looking for as opposed to manually creating reports going and looking through dashboards that you have today i think that's where much of the industry sees real potential for the ai conversation and simply we're just not there yet we as in Cvent, but also the industry at large so super immature space, but certainly lots of opportunity to grow and innovate and transform meetings and events in, in all areas of the business.
0: You're absolutely right. And I would say it's the it's the one area where, you know, sometimes we've said on this list, well, it's not really a trend. It's just, It's been happening. It's still a trend, right? But this is the one that has the potential to go like a rocket ship. And all the stuff that we say, well, we're not there yet. Within two months, someone's going to probably be like, yeah, we are. Here we are. This is the investigative AI that you were looking for. This is the predictive AI that you were looking for. It's just not that far away. And I think that is actually what scares people, that this is the one trend that has the potential to move really quickly, depending on what some genius comes up with. So,
1: And I would say even to your point earlier, Felicia, 30% of an audience in 12-month time span is pretty significant adoption of a technology like that. So I think even the more rudimentary tools that just launched this year will continue in adoption moving into 2024. I think we can assume that will be the case. Those that have been reticent will have to join, assuming that their organizations allow them to. But I think that this is something that, to your point, Felicia, is going to take off like a rocket ship. It's not stopping.
2: I feel like we need to do a checklist for, you know, yes, event profs are in event marketing as well, but almost like a checklist of things that you can do right now. I was a, you know, every single conference I have coming up in 2024, there is AI content for event profs. And there's so many little things that you can do right now that are not that hard to to adopt. Like for example, you know, hey, where should I host my conference next year? Can you tell me big convention centers around the the country? Or hey, can you write this email for me? I'm trying to target this some um, th- these attendees and we're doing these activities. Like those are little things that like, maybe there's a checklist of for event profs. If you don't know anything about AI, start here. Yeah, taking the story out of it
1: a little bit, like making it a little bit more like this is for
2: being. It's not as scary as it needs to be. Like from Alyssa's lens, she's talking about total like global adoption for something. But if you're one event planner at your company or one event marketer, marketing events, you know, you could start small. You don't have to start with total. You know, what we did was, we, you know, at C-Event, we rolled out enterprise software that everybody can use through their secure portal. Right. So I don't think it has to be that your company has adopted this like massive, you know, piece of technology that's coming, I hope for you. But, you know, these are small things that you can do now. And I kind of want to write those checklists for myself,
0: honestly. (laughs) We're looking with a partner organization of ours and they did a good, better, best for sustainability. We could do the same for AI. This is good. This is better. This is the best. You know, so that people could at least have an entry point. And I know that with with that, the best side of that, we had a great debate during Event Connect Europe on people versus AI. And actually, we all knew that it's people plus AI. It's not people versus. But we just had some fun. And the guy that was arguing on the side of AI and tech, he was just like, if you don't understand it, you're fired. Like he was so <laughs> extreme. I'm, you're not fired. Everything's going to be okay, right? But he was just, he was being fun. But he was saying, look, you're going to have to learn. When we spoke about upskilling, you have to learn the prompts. You're going to have to learn how to prompt the prompter. So you tell the AI, you are a this, you're writing like this. And when you say, show me the venues, you need to say, you are showing me the best venues, right? So there's like different ways to use the right language, but it's not that hard. It really is. We could do the good checklist and we just put some stuff in there that's easy to use. Especially
2: for the stuff that you don't want to do all the time, right? Like help me write this, like the amount of times I've looked at website copy and been like, I don't feel creative right now. Can someone else just do this for me? And AI, is that someone else they can just write it for you? And then obviously you tweak it because it's very like computerized right now. You tweak it to make more sense for your brand, but that can help. Well, hopefully not going to take over our jobs,
0: but it will take over some of the crappy parts of our jobs that we don't want to do every day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the point of it. But I know as we come to our last, you know, three not so trendy trends, because they're definitely not trends, they're things that should be the the kind of underbelly of everything that we do, AI is useful for things like accessibility, things like sustainability to give us these kinds of, you know, ideas of what we should be doing, but it also can have biases. So there's so much to investigate, but I think, like you said, Rachel, someone should just get started, if you haven't started already, that's definitely the trend for 24, just go in, give it a go. But are trendy not trends? <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about?
3: Yeah, those last three trends that we feel like we've kind of discussed quite significantly over the last year, but you know, accessible events, sustainable events and DE&I and and for us, I think I'm speaking on behalf of all of us, we don't see these as trends, we see these as, you know, really pillars in the event design and strategy world. You know, creating and designing accessible events should be something that we're all doing, right? Whether we need to start with that That short checklist that we were just talking about for AI, if you need to figure out what the first five things you need to do in order to, you know, make sure that your events are accessible, that's sort of the approach that we would suggest for all three of these, right? If you want to think about how your events have or leave a impact from a sustainability perspective, it's really about striking a balance, right? We want there to be equal amounts of enjoyment and responsibility and ensuring that we leave a positive impact or legacy for both the environment and the immediate communities for where we host events. And then, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, this is very much something that's at the heart or um, the center of event design for so many of us. And, you know, these are going to continue. These are not just trends. These are really embedded in the event design process. And I think we were talking, you know, these are really about the the sentiment of belonging this sort of overarching umbrella term of of belonging and the entire value prop of hosting events and immersive experiences is to create a sense of belonging to create a sense of you know resonating with the brand or a mission and so all three of these should be integral in in you know your event design and event strategy going forward but anything else you guys like to add to this
2: no that was really sweet I want to belong. I mean, that's why we plan events to bring people together. And like you said, make it great for everybody,
0: not just a few. Absolutely. I know we had um, Stephen Cutchins is amazing. He, you know, for those who don't know, he helps to design accessibility within our product so that it makes it easier, you know, not just for you using our product, but also your attendees. But he just kind of, he puts it in such clear ways of like, you know, why would you want to leave people out? Why on, it's almost like looking at it from the other perspective, it was like, who are you handpicking to say, no, not you, not you. You know, that you would never do that. So when you do what, you know, things like Pauline just said, how do I make it more inclusive? How do I make people feel like they belong? You should be saying, I want everybody to be there and no one should feel, even when they turn up like, oh, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have come, they should never feel that way. So yeah, I love this as the as the pillars, like you said.
2: Oh my gosh. Wow. So we have so many good things to look forward to in 2024. Again, these are continued trends from 2023, but I just see so much value in looking at these and continuing to keep these on your radar. My recommendation is to make a checklist out of these. You know, I'm sure there's more trends and things like that on your radars outside of this. There could be a laundry list of 100 trends for the events industry, but we narrowed it down to 12 for our list. But I want to keep a checklist and measure ourselves, maybe give ourselves a grade each year on how we're doing with these trends. Maybe it's something to look forward to when you look back at the end of 2024 and say, how did I do with these trends? Did I help impact the company or help with the meetings industry? I've been furthering it. Yeah, and I'll jump
1: in too, Rach. We're doing a year in review webinar this week that I'd like to invite all of our listeners to participate in. If you feel like looking back, fondly on 2023 before you jump into some of these trends for 2024. I myself will be hosting that. Felicia just alluded to Stephen Hutchings. He will be joining me on that podcast as well. In addition to several other thought leaders at c who have made a meaningful impact on our 2023 roadmap of insights that we've been delivering to, to our listeners and our viewers of our webinar. So please join me for that. I think that's taking place tomorrow. Nice.
2: Well, any other final thoughts from our Newest host or Paulina or Alyssa, any other final thoughts before we wrap our season for 2023?
1: I just wanted to express gratitude for our listeners this year. We've met some of you in person. I think Paulina might have mentioned that on a, on a previous episode. It's starting to really, I have to say, like this was a pet project for, you know, Paulita, myself and Rachel when we first started out. Now we're growing in our hosts. We're growing in listeners and it really helps us to continue to make meaningful impact to our customers and to non-customers. You know, even if you don't use Cvent, that's okay too. We're fine. We want to have you here. And so I'm just really grateful for everyone who listens to this on a regular basis. We love having you join us and, and listening to our banter. And we're happy to know that it's meaningful to you all. <laughs> Retweet what Alyssa said. No, I
3: think I'm also very grateful. You know, I think as we look to 2024, you know, we're all kind of bracing for the change and, you know, the hopeful progressive changes that come our way. But we always look to you for ideas and inspiration. And however you see fit to share those with us, we definitely will take that and absolutely run with it for next year's season. So, really looking forward to. To having another season with you all.
0: Oh, well, since we're doing Gratitude, things we're grateful for, right? So thank you, ladies, for inviting me to join. It was really nice. And I loved, I think, one of my favorite moments of this year is when we were together in Vegas on the couch, having, like, the bants and just recapping. And I'm very grateful for you all.
1: Tears, laughter. We bring all the emotions to this podcast. It's very Shakespearean of us.
0: <laughs> I'm... Very grateful to have you. And I'm very grateful that you've invited me as a guest because I've even had times where people are like, I heard your podcast and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like somebody. So so thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Oh my God. More than just my dad listens to this. Oh, this is great. <laughs> well, I couldn't have said it better than what you all said. So I'll just say retweet and and thank you to our listeners. And so with that, this episode wraps our 2023 season. We will be back next season in February. We are going to take a much needed break, enjoy our holidays. I hope our listeners do the same. We all deserve it. We work so hard in this industry, so I hope everyone gets their much needed rest. Also, shameless plug, we are on LinkedIn. Please be our friends. Please follow or friend us. We'd love to hear from you. So one last plug for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in this season. It's been a wild ride. We love hosting it and we couldn't do it without our listeners. So if there is something you would like to hear about next season, we are all ears. We need all the ideas and all the guest speakers. So if you, there's something you'd like to hear about, DM us on LinkedIn or you can send us an email at greatevents at cvent.com. And if you love our show, don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. So again, we hope you have a healthy and happy holiday season and we'll see you next year. Oh, bye. See you next year. See you next year. Happy New Year.